Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. My name is Jack Luke and today we are doing a roundup of the latest, freshest, most garden fresh news to land on BikeRadar.com. We'll be going over both road and mountain bike news today. And first off, I'm joined by new member of the Bike Radar team and podcast debutant Sam Chalice. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Jack. And Sam is our new road tech editor. He's formerly of Cyclist, but you've now been with Bike Radar for a little while. How are you settling in? Very well, thank you. Team seemed very nice. Thank you. That's very, very kind of you. You're just uh, clearly trying trying to uh, flatter us all. Uh, now, kicking things off today, we're going to go over two bits of road news and two bits of mountain bike news. There is a great deal more we could talk about, but to be honest, it's been a bit of a potpourri of new launches in recent weeks. So we're going to keep things limited. But if you do want to keep up to date with all of the latest juiciest goss on Bike Radar, I highly recommend you subscribe to our wonderful twice-weekly newsletter, which summarizes all the best bits on Bike Radar. Anyway, kicking things off, we have the Orbea Terra, an all-new gravel bike which launched a couple of weeks ago. Sam, what is the sketch with the Orbea Terra? Mm, yeah, so it's an exciting one, actually. Um, Orbea, I think, were one of the first in, in the space. So they released their first um, or, or Terra back in 2017 um, when modern gravel was in its infancy as a, as a discipline. Um, as such, that, that bike was pretty conservative, I think it's fair to say. Had quite um, a wacky paint job, the very, very first one they launched. They teased one. it, it was cool. The, the green and the pink and mm. the orange, yeah, I like it. Um, but with the latest one, Orbea has committed 
to to all the emerging trends. So there's, there's big tire clearances, um, clear at one by and two by drivetrains. It's you can um, fit conventional finishing kit. There's lots of mounting points on it, new geometry, all, all singing, all dancing. And one of the things you really called out about it, and it's something we've said previously about Orbea, is that through their Mayo program, which they offer as standard, it's got a customization program for nearly all of their bikes, you do, you can take advantage of that customization from the very off, can't you? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So it's a fantastic thing to to offer, I think, as a brand to a consumer. Um, there's seven models and there's a range of specs, six sizes per model. There's a bike for everyone, basically. And if you were building up your own Orbea Tower, how would it look, Sam? Well, I mean, the best of everything, obviously. As <laughs> I said, like a true cycling industry person, yes. One by A one-by drivetrain, maybe something new SRAM Explore. Mm. Red. I think one of the things I like about this is that, you know, you could very much uh, build up your dream bike in terms of spec when you think about, yeah, like the drivetrain or the wheels and so on. But I kind of overlooked aspect of that is in terms of fit because, you know, if you're a go-fast gravel racer, it matters just as much as on the road. And I think offering that option to be able to spec bar widths, for example, since we all all aggressively push narrow bars now on bike radar, but also just, you know, being able to tweak things to suit you is a real value add in my eyes. I agree, yeah. Um, I like the the storage compartment as well. I think that's a nice, nice little add-on. They've, they've, they've peppered the bike with sensible features that are practical and desirable. Um, that lock, yes, the locker compartment underneath the down tube bottle mount, I think is really useful. It's a good feature that we should probably see more of. Have you ever used one kind of similar to that previous with Specialized or anyone? Yeah, Trek. Trek is a good application of it. And what did you stuff in there? Oh, that's a very... Potentially a very revealing question. <laughs> just, just the toolkit. Just kept it, kept it uh, pre-watershed. I see. Yeah. I see. And if you were to put a sandwich in there, what would be inside it? Peanut butter and jelly. Really? Or jelly. Jelly. Bloody hell. Peanut butter and jam. That's a really revealing question, actually, mm. for new listeners who um who probably haven't heard your voice before. They'll kind of judge everything they think about you based on your sandwich filling. I suspect. One final question for you, Sam. Um, with the Orbea Terra and with the Mayo program in general, there's a great deal of color options available. And in a similar sense, if you want to reveal who you really are, what color would you opt for? With the oh, bike? royal purple. Royal My purple. color. Mm, lots of purple everywhere. Wow. Interesting choice. Put you down as a more austere man, but maybe that was uh, just from your austere sandwich choice, maybe. You've got me wrong. <laughs> the full story for the Orbea Terra is on bikecreator.com. You can get the full story there and is this one we'll see a review of on the site in the months to come absolutely absolutely um provided there are samples available of course yes uh it's a perennial problem here at bike radar same with pretty much everyone else in the industry where we are seeing lots and lots of these very tasty bikes whether or not we'll actually get a chance to ride them or shops more to the point get them in stock remains to be seen uh next on our agenda today we have the new brompton p-line which replaces the super light as the brand's ultimate, most lightest, all singing, all dancing, lightweight, folding bike. Um, I'll go into the P-Line properly in a moment, but one thing I really want to call out with this launch is that with the new bike, Brompton has sort of rationalized its overall uh, range as a whole, and more specifically, 
it's introduced a naming convention, which really, in my mind, makes a lot of sense. So the P line, which is the bike we're talking about, sits very, very much at the top. It's its performance line. It's its lightweight bikes. Below that, we have the C line, which they call their classic range. And that kind of includes the urban utility and explore bikes. And they're sort of your mid-range, do-all-ish bikes. And then finally, you have the A line, which is their essential bikes. They're very cheapest bikes. It's something we were talking about more specifically in relation to tire naming conventions, but making that sort of buying decision that bit easier for consumers where it is laid out in that easy way, I think is something very much to be applauded. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really accessible. You get so many bike brands that have impenetrable naming systems. I think it's nice to streamline that that side of things so it's very clear. Yeah, totally. I mean, the example I always, always call out is the Panracer Gravel King, mm-hmm. which I believe there is something, I'm making this number up, but it's at least 10 different tires that okay. kind of cover a range of different uses from basically a winter road tire right through to a serious gravel tire <laughs> are all under the Gravel King name. And that just, to me, just makes no sense whatsoever. Me too. And, you know, it's very easy to poke fun at the somewhat daft names that some bike brands come up with for products. But I think, yeah, just making it a very nice, neat, not too clever, but just, yeah, easily digestible thing is definitely to be applauded. Yes, I agree. Um, BMC is another one I struggle with. Oh, yeah? SLRO1, 2, things yeah. like that. You know? No. Yeah. I don't. Then you get the SLRO2, 1. Well. Different thing. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to picture the bikes you were talking about in my head as you were saying that, and I actually have no idea. I haven't got a clue. Uh, that is quite funny. I didn't consider that. Um, actually, while we're at it, Canyon's another one we like to poke fun at, where make very, very good bikes at very affordable price points, but my goodness, do they love a long product name. Mm-hmm. Really, really push things into uh, bad SEO territory for our point of view, trying <laughs> to fit those into uh, <laughs> into headlines on site. Anyway, the P-Line is quite similar to the new Superlight, but it does have a couple tasty new features. The frame itself is made of steel, but the rear triangle and the fork, quite unusual actually for a fork, are made out of titanium. And that helps drop a not insignificant amount of weight compared to the stock steel frame. And the claimed weight overall for this bike, if you're wondering, is 9.65 kilos, which is around two kilos less than the C-Line bikes. Um, The other really tasty thing is the patent-pending custom four-speed rear derailleur, which comes with this bike. It's quite a simple-looking thing, and it's pretty, you know, it doesn't really look like a conventional derailleur, but it does kind of work in a conventional (laughs) way. The idea being, though, that it folds up a lot smaller, essentially, than a typical derailleur. Because on Bromptons, they tend to go for internally geared hubs rather than trailers, don't they? Yes, they do, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, internal gear hubs, very reliable. They can run quite smooth, but they are a little bit draggy and quite heavy overall. So this is clearly just a way to try and reduce some weight. As we all know, lightweight bikes always have to come in boring colors, and the Brompton P-Line is only available in storm gray or midnight black metallic and will cost you £2,100 or £2,000. $750. Have you ever ridden a Brompton, Sam? You used to live in London, surely. I never have. Really? Mm, I was very lucky with my my trains that I caught. There was always ample bike space for regular bikes that I didn't have to fanny about with. I think you must be the only person who has worked in media and lived in London who hasn't owned Mm, a Brompton. It feels almost like uniform. I'm really not very mainstream. I'm very alternative. (laughs) (laughs) Very alternative riding in on a 10 grand... uh, 
Canyon Ultimate so, yeah. <laughs> like to buck the trend. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, this is another one where we're very much hoping we will get a sample of this bike in for review. It's been a long time since we reviewed a Brompton on Bike Radar. I'm very curious to see how this new bike performs. We'll be hearing plenty more of Sam. Whether he likes it or not, we will strong arm him onto coming onto the Bike Radar podcast. If you have any questions for the young Sam, do leave them on the comments that accompany this article. And Sam, thank you for coming on. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, Jack. It's lovely to speak to you. Now we're going to jump over to Tom Marvin, who is one of our mountain bike technical editors on bikerader.com, and we're going to go over some of the hottest mountain bike news from recent weeks on the site. Now I'm joined by the wonderful Tom Marvin. Tom, how are you today, and what did you have for your lunch? Hello, Jack. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I had a salad box from the Olive Works in St. Nicholas's Market, in the centre of Bristol. Uh, uh, are you had, sponsored by them? <laughs> I, I am not, but I do give them a lot of my money uh, <laughs> instead of it being the other way other way around. But um, yeah, I had some lovely tasty vine leaves stuffed, of course, with some rice, um, some tomatoes, some feta, uh, some potatoes cooked with sun-dried tomatoes, uh, and some spicy butter beans topped with a uh, yoghurt and mint dressing and some hummus. Wow. Um, and then had a little Kit Kat Santa Claus thing and some mixed nuts and seeds from Tesco's. My goodness. Well, yeah. if that hasn't quite satiated your hunger, then this healthy dose of mountain bike news <laughs> should fill you up to the brim. Now, Tom, let's kick things off with the new giant anthem. Yes. So this was launched um, the back end of last week. Um, 2020 was obviously meant to be the year that cross-country went big again thanks to the Olympics, but the Olympics never happened. Um, but lots of bikes were uh, were launched last year, and some interesting ones. Um, 2021 has been a little bit quieter on the XC front, but one of the biggest names in mountain biking, and I guess in cross-country mountain bike, uh, Giant have re-released the new anthem. And I guess the big story with the new anthem is that they have dropped Maestro um, as their suspension platform of choice uh, on the new anthem. For those that don't know, would you like to explain what Maestro is, which mm. has been around on Giants bikes, as you said, for a very, very long time? Yeah, Maestro will remain on a lot of their bikes. Um, I'll explain why it was dropped in a second from the Anthem. But Maestro is a VPP, basically, suspension linkage system. Um, so you have a front triangle, you have a rear triangle, uh, a unified rear triangle, one might say, I think. Um, and they're connected by two uh, little links, um, which means there is a total of four pivot points, um, giving a virtual main pivot point, if that makes sense. So your traditional uh, four-bar linkage or your traditional um, single pivot linkage actuated shock um, has uh, like the, the rear axle pivots around an arc fixed to the front triangle. Um, with a VPP linkage, that effective arc is virtual. It doesn't really exist, um, and its position can change within the movement of the rear wheel um, and is used to sort of, in theory, potentially better tune the way the suspension reacts to bumps. Wow. Well, for the dude shredding things out there, I'm sure that all made sense. If you're like me and it didn't, we do actually have a very good explainer <laughs> on Mount Mike Suspension Systems by the departed Seb Star on bikerader.com. Definitely one to read through if you have 20 minutes and you want to know everything there is to know about mountain bike suspension systems. So that was Meister in a nutshell. What have we moved to now? So we have moved to what they fancily called FlexPoint Pro, um, which uh, basically everyone else calls a single pivot linkage actuated shock design. And it is basically 
um, the same system that you now get on Specialized Epic, the Canyon Lux, the Cannondale Scalpel, uh, and I think even the Scott Spark. And basically, uh, so you have that main pivot on the frame instead of like a little link, which is a direct line straight to the rear axle. Um, and then the uh, seat stays go up from the rear axle and they push a rocker that squashes the shock. That's the linkage actuated bit of the single pivot. An orange five is a true single pivot, which has a single pivot. Um, in order to better tune them, um, the rear stays, uh, either the seat stay or the chain stay, depending on the design, has a little bit of flex built in there because when you move that wheel through its arc, the rear triangle actually wants to bend a little bit, which is one of the reasons why like a horse link um, or a faux bar or a four bar, not quite four bar linkage has usually a pivot near the rear axle. Phew. So the flexible bit basically gets rid of that pivot. That pivot tends not to rotate very much. So you can get away with having a little bit of flex there. A horse link for those that are interested, an example would be... Well, Specialized is like the classic. They held the patent for a long time. And they have now not lost the patent, but the patent has expired. So increasing number of brands are now using it. Um, uh, you'll be able to sort of work out whether it's a faux bar or a four bar, faux bar being another sort of colloquial term for a linkage actuated single pivot suspension system um, <laughs> by the location of that rear pivot. If the rear pivot is between the main pivot on the frame and the uh, rear axle, i.e. if it's on the chainstay, that is a true four bar linkage um, because, oh, God, I'm so sorry, this is so dull, I'm turning into Seb Start, um, because the rear <laughs> axle isn't directly linked to that um, front triangle. Um, a faux bar linkage actuated would have the pivot above the rear axle on the seat stay. Phew. Or it would have a flexible seat stay, chain stay yeah. section. Now, why, why has Giant moved to this? <laughs> why has Giant and basically every other um, full suspension XC race bike, because I think pretty much all of them are now using flexible stays, is uh, twofold. One, there's less maintenance, obviously, because it's just a bit of bendy plastic. Um, and two, there is no pivot, and a pivot um, can be quite weighty engineering the materials around the pivot, making sure it's stiff, having bearings in there does weigh stuff. Now, Giant claim that they've saved 250 grams off the frame weight um, by going to this FlexPoint Pro system from Wait, Maestro. It's Maestro. Not, not insignificant. It's not insignificant, no, no, certainly on a frame. So they've moved away from that, and that is the main story really with the new Anthem. Okay, and the bike itself that you've been testing, pretty tasty build. It's a tasty build, yeah. Um, so there are going to be four Anthems globally, uh, the zero, the one, the two, then the three. Um, in the UK, we're only getting the one and the two, so we don't get the full like whistles and bangs, Fox Factory, SRAM XX1 access, all that sort of jazz. But we do get um, the one and the two. Uh, so the one is what I have, and it has uh, Fox's live valve suspension, uh, which I guess is the other talking point of this particular bike. Um, so this is a system that's been around for a couple of years. Again, we've got stuff on bike radar about it from, I think it was launched like three years ago. A long time ago now, yeah. Um, Seb Stott, RIP, God rest his soul. We've mentioned him Now with Pink now. Bike. Uh, went over to the US and rode it. Um, but basically, it is a system of um, sensors, uh, a little like microchip type system, some batteries and some little actuators on the fork and the shock, which automatically opens and closes the compression system on the Fox suspension fork and shock. Um, it's incredibly fast to react. Um, Seb sort of gave the example of you, you could be riding along the road and ride up a curb um, and you wouldn't notice just how quick the whole system opens from locked to suspending the bike. 
As um, a counterpoint, just briefly, we should say as well that RockShox released a very broadly yeah. similar system two months ago. Yeah, a couple of months they released Flight Attendant, um, which has used some journalistic integrity. Here is a much cleaner, much easier system. Um, it's completely wireless. It's a lot tidier looking. There's no wires everywhere. The system as a whole is much better packaged. Um, Live Valve hasn't taken off. I think it's fair to say there's not many brands doing it. Pivot did it. Giant did it, maybe a couple of others, but it certainly hasn't gone uh, hasn't gone crazy. Mm. Um, I suspect flight attendant might uh, be a little bit more commercially successful. And have you taken off on this bike yet? Have you got off to a flying start? I have been for one ride on the bike. Um, myself and Max filmed a little news video. It's on the Bike Road YouTube channel. There's a lot more information about the bike. Um, and I rode it around Troopers Hill in Bristol uh, and also a very quick lap of Ashton Court just to get some GoPro footage. Um, since then, I haven't ridden it because <laughs> I I fell off my bike and hurt myself. Oh, so, <laughs> But I will be riding it soon. Um, we're, I'm in the middle of testing XC bikes for MBUK magazine. Um, I'm meant to be testing mid-priced XC bikes. But none have arrived, <laughs> so I might be <laughs> testing expensive XC bikes. Um, this giant anthem that I have is seven thousand pounds, which Ken, what's crazy about this is like seven thousand pounds. It's a lot of money. money. It's a lot of money, but it's so funny when I can, you know, I think the most recent launch I was on was the Specialized Crux, for example, mm -hmm. a very simple gravel bike, and mm -hmm. very much touted as a, sim a simple gravel bike. And for a top end build on that, it's like yeah. 10, 12 grand. Yeah. I'm so mad when you think that this is a pretty fancy, you know, carbon wheeled, high, high electronic end suspension. Electronic suspension. You can get that for seven and a bit grand. That's pretty, pretty bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's still a lot of money and not something I'd ever be able to afford, but it's still very impressive. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it's, it's interesting. I, I think, I don't want to say that this particular model of the Anthem is good value, but I think in the context of, fairly high-end mm. XC race machines that you could very easy you, you could go to a World Cup with this bike and race it very well. Um, I don't think seven grand is ridiculous compared to what else you could spend yes. elsewhere. Um, it's comes with XT drivetrain, so not XTR. It comes with performance elite suspension from Fox, so not factory. You could spend more. You could spend more. You can always spend more, Tom. But you could always spend more. Yes, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you get on with this. Mm. I have one very two stupid questions, actually. Please. I'd like you to answer for the uh, non- shreddy mm -hmm. audience out there flex stays yeah. does the flex in a flex day have any effect on suspension in that the flexing part actually compresses in this case so would it in effect almost act like a pseudo lauf at the rear Ooh. end is there any kind of impact on suspension performance um i think the biggest impact on suspension performance is the you know the positions of the linkages um the suppleness of the shock um Traditionally, I guess flexible stays, the, the main impact they've had from a suspension point of view is that it often makes the rebound a little bit trickier to dial in on, on the on the bike. Um obviously when the you can get aluminium flex stays as well. Oh, that's um, been my second question. <laughs> uh -huh, yes, yeah, so you can get uh, you can get aluminium ones as well. So when they unflex themselves, obviously that's not controlled so easily. Mm. Um I I, th I think these days, to be honest. I can't remember last time I rode a flexi stay bike and really struggled to get my suspension working. Um, the amount they flex is tiny. Like I think those bearings typically would only sort of rotate by one, two or three degrees. Mm. So very little really. 
Um, and to your second question that you haven't asked, but I've already guessed, yes, you can get aluminium Here flex stays. <laughs> um, the so Giant are well known for Maestro suspension. It's present on like the Trance, on the Rain, uh, on the downhill bike, whose name escapes me right now. I um, mean, it was on the Anthem as well. If you look a little bit sort of to more the more value orientated range, um, bikes like the Stance um, use this single pivot linkage actuated shock. Uh, with an alloy frame, and there is a little bit of alloy um, in those stays. So, there yeah. you go. And when can we expect to see a review of this bike on bikeradar.com? Well, this all very much depends on um, my aforementioned mid-priced XE bike test, because if I get any of those bikes in the next week, um, that will be, <laughs> um, be my priority, because uh, it's, uh, it's due in um, nine days' time, that entire bike test, uh, of which I have one bike. Um, so hopefully early next year will be my, my goal. Um, yeah, there's a lot to go on with the podium, yeah. I look forward to reading it. Thank you. Again, if you want to read the full details of the giant anthem, head to bikeradar.com. We have got Tom's full news story there and new year for the review. Yeah, Tom, uh, and don't forget the YouTube channel for the video as of well. Of course, the YouTube channel, uh, 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 you know, as two main stars from the YouTube channel, we should be plugging at every point. <laughs> Absolutely, <Tom. laughs> And what's our second talking point for Tom uh, today, Tom? You've kind of left me hanging. What's this? What's the surprise? Well, so from one seven thousand pound bike with electronic suspension, flexible carbon X Y Z, and all the bells and whistles you might expect from a top end mountain bike, we are now going to talk about tubeless valves. Yes. Mm. So um, recently, Reserve, who are basically it's, uh, Santa Cruz's wheel brand, uh, released the Fillmore valve. Um, Tubeless valves. Tubeless is great. I think we can all agree that, generally speaking, tubeless is really great. But it has... That's not what I've seen from your Instagram stories before, Tom. Tom has got a bit of... He's got potatoes for hands, and he's not very very good at setting up tubeless tyres. So I would like this to be known that you've just said it's great. I will remind you of that. Tubeless is great when it works. Um, And one of the falling points of tubeless can be the valves. The main issue, and I I feel like in discussions I've seen about the Fillmore valves, um, this point has kind of been... Um, has kind of been lost. A lot of people have concentrated on how easy it is to get the air in there, which is important, X, Y, Z. But one of the issues with tubeless is this. You have a tubeless tyre, and within it you have sealant, latex sealant, um, which is designed to coagulate uh, and block up little holes. Mm -hmm. Now, a tubeless valve, typically speaking with its valve core, has a very little hole going Mm -hmm. through it so that air can get in and out, X, Y, Z. It's very prone to clogging. When it clogs, it makes it more difficult for air to pass through, uh, which impacts on the ease at which, A, you can just generally pump a, a tubeless tyre up. And also, when you're trying to pop that tyre's bead into the rim, um, you need like a quick burst of air, and that can be quite tricky if you haven't removed the valve core. Now, of course, you can remove the valve core, um, but it's a bit of a faff, um, and life's just easier if you didn't have to do stuff like that. Um, and as I say, like when they when they get clogged up, it's actually really difficult to adjust the pressures in a tubeless tyre. Um, so the Fillmore valve basically does away with the regular valve core. It has a valve stem, um, and the valve itself is actually a plug on the base of the valve core inside the rim tyre void, um, instead of having the valve midway up the core. Um, and the idea of this is that it's less prone to seal and ingress into the valve stem, which means it's less likely to clog. If you do get ingress into there, because there's a bigger space, it's less likely to clog overall anyway. Um, 
it also has like a, a an interesting sort of valve cap that can be used can be depressed to reduce pressure in there without having to expose the whole sort of the end of the valve to the outside which i think is good from a maintenance and, and longevity perspective um and also with the sort of the blocking plug of the valve being within the tire void it opens up a bigger hole so when you're trying to push a lot of air through it's much easier to do so um, if you're comparing it to a tubeless valve with the core still attached yes so my take was if it works as advertised if it works as advertised it could be really good from uh, a ham-fisted maintenance point of view um they i, I was speaking to uh jungle who are the distributors in the uk um, the day before the embargo because the PR material was very late. Ooh, he's got <laughs> the claws out. And uh, they said, oh, we've got we've got some in the post that should be with you tomorrow before the embargo. You know, I was going to take my own photos, X, Y, Z. Um, and sadly, they didn't arrive quite in time. I was going away for a week. Um, I couldn't actually get my tyres at the time properly inflated because my valve cores were clogged. So instead of fitting the Fillmore valves, I spent a lovely 20 minutes deconstructing my tubeless valves, <laughs> cleaning them out and reconstructing them and then reinflating my tubeless wheels. There we go. Well, I am time. looking forward to seeing what you think of them. One thing I was going to add as well with the... Uh, so most tubeless valves tend to use pressed valve cores mm. or pressed valves, I should mm. say, rather. And traditionally, pressed valves are made of brass, which is mm. very good, mm. non-corrosive, generally speaking. However, some sealants I've used, which perhaps have a higher quantity of ammonia in them, I have also found that in addition to clogging, they just corrode as well okay. in a very, very unpleasant way. I've had. I think it's possibly I've used a valve core from an old inner tube to fill up when I've lost a valve core yeah, or something. Yeah. And yes, they've corroded in the past. So this kind of gets around that issue. And I can see it working very, yeah. very well. Um, I'd like a little shout out actually at the end of my article I did mention a few other interesting valves because um, tubeless valves is an area full of technological innovation um, <laughs> currently um, there are some good valves out there so uh, Muckoff um, Chris King and that lot I think they have some valves you know with like and oh, who was it E13 did a nice valve you know you get like spanner flats on there you get like a little um, hex head or allen head on the inside so it's easy to get like a nice tight seal between your lock ring and, and your valve that was kind of cool um milk it obviously they came out a few years ago with a valve um with a specific one-way valve inside it to help inject um your sealant in there again kind of with the ease of making it easier to set up tubeless without having to pop a tire of the bead to get sealant in there without forcing sealant down it'd have like a, a an injector like a tube that went inside mm. the valve that was kind of cool but I was like, are there any of the valves out there which really get away from the issue of clogged valves, which is Reserve's biggest claim? And I didn't know of any. Anyway, there's a comment um, underneath from um, 76 Projects. Um, and they are a smallish, I believe the UK-based brand, and they do a lot of 3D printed little gadgets. Uh, I've got a really nice GoPro slash uh, Garmin mount for, uh, for my gravel bike or a light and Garmin mount. They do some really nice little bits and pieces. Anyway, they have a valve which has um, midway up the stem like an extra large chamber um, around the valve core. Um, so it's a bit more traditional. It's kind of in between the two. Uh, and obviously when you depress the, the valve stopper on the top, it pushes the bottom of the valve, mm. I think, into this bigger chamber to, again, allow better airflow and reduce the chance of clogging. Um, so a little shout out for them because it had only been launched a few weeks before. There wasn't a big song and dance about it. It's the first I'd heard. Um, so if you don't want to spend 45 quid 
on a <laughs> reserve Fillmore valve, you can spend, I'm pretty sure, um, probably about half that, I think. Don't quote me on that. About half that on the 76 Projects one, um, which also comes in a bright, shocking pink, which looks kind of cool. Um, how well that works, I don't know. My uh, internal analysis thinks that the reserve one probably fits my needs a little bit better, I think. As a real ham-fisted um, mechanic. Yes, uh, but I would love to try both of them. So uh, I might try and get hold of the 76 ones and do a head-to-head -head down the line. But the, 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 the test that everyone's been waiting for <laughs> yes. is bated breath of, of versus <laughs> the red of, corner. <laughs> of, of tubeless valves. Wow, what heady times we live in. Well, As a very brief aside, some years ago, we ran an article on site. It was an opinion piece by a former contributor. Russell Ike, RIP. He's yeah. not actually dead. He's not dead. Uh, <laughs> You should stop saying RFP because we're not actually dead. You should stop saying that. Yeah. Anyway, he he said or uh, that uh, Schrader valves, which are the valves typically seen on cars and mm -hmm. other vehicles, are superior in every way to Presto valves, which is very funny. And he really riled up a lot of people at the time. Mm. And like his argument wasn't totally flawed. It really wasn't. Mm. Like, you know, a, a Schrader valve is more than anything else a very, very sturdy, hard valve. I've snapped Presto valves before. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I would recommend you go back and look at that one for the comments because I think that's one of our most commented on articles of all time. It was it was pretty entertaining, mm. the, the healthy discourse that that yes. one encouraged. I saw a thread on another popular mountain bike website forum um, about the reserve valves and there was a lot of love for Schrader valves in there mm. and people drilling out their rims in order to fit them and all this sort of stuff. And you know, I read it when I was quite tired and I wasn't paying too much attention. But actually, people say, you know, like, why don't we use Schroeder valves? I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. It really does. Yeah. I mean, okay, we have to drill a slightly bigger hole in the rim. But these days, rims are wider, so I'm sure they can take that. Mm. They're a bit more protected. You can still take the core out. Why do we use Presta again? I don't know. Yeah. I'd actually be quite curious to know why Presta valves came about. Because I don't think that was addressed in that column years ago. Mm. Just why did a separate tech recycling develop alongside everyone else well i think presto uh, have been often commonly used on higher pressure systems which you say and then you you think about it and you think well that's rubbish because if you look at mountain bike suspension you know shocks and forks all use a straight evolve mm. and, they um, like and they're running billion PSI. two three hundred psi so yeah that is obviously not the answer hmm. hmm one to think about if you know the answer Leave it in the comments, and then we don't have to go ask Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to do any research. This is journalism. This is journalism. We're, we're doing research by asking our mm. beloved readers, yeah. listeners. Anyway, thank you very much, Tom. Thank As always, all the bits we talked about today are in, or sorry, on BikeRadar.com. Should be links as well in the description for this podcast yeah. or the podcast plug on the Bike Radar homepage. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a cheeky. Five stars, maybe ten stars if you can. Yeah, why not? I think we deserve it. Mm. We've been lots of fun. If you don't think we deserve it, well, please leave a comment and let us know how, because we always love to hear your feedback. Tom. Jack. Thank you very much for coming on. It's great to chat to Thanks you. Thanks for having me. And speak to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.